1: Hello everybody and welcome to this extra weekly episode of Dane Baptiste Questions Everything on what we're calling DBQs. On DBQs, myself, comedian writer, podcaster and occasional actor Dane Baptiste and my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka the hello, are here to delve into some things that have been happening in this week's news.
2: Yeah, you're right Dane, it's time to question one of the week's big stories and we are going to talk about Just Stop Oil. Should we just stop just Stop Oil, or uh, should we, you know, support Just Stop Oil? And for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Just Stop Oil is a, um, you know, protest uh, movement uh, to demand, you know, that the government stops all new oil and gas uh, licensing and consenting. Uh, because obviously, I don't know if you've heard, the world's going to end. Um, so where, where do you land on these people gluing themselves to the M25 and um, and other such things, Dane?
1: Um, I think, in all honesty, from the position I'm sitting in now, having a conversation on a podcast, I am in full support of uh, Just Top Oil. I believe that uh, there's been a weird narrative that's been emerging from, uh, particularly from uh, press editorial, that um, who consider protests to be uh, too disruptive. Mm. And my response to that is, they you fucking idiots, they're supposed to be disruptive. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a protest. And I think that um, a lot of these actions now, however extreme they are, pale in comparison to the extremities of the conditions we're going to be dealing with if we don't address the climatolog- climatological crisis. Mm. I, um, yeah, because, I, t- I, I mean, Just Stop Oil, were they, they were also involved in uh, throwing soup on a Van Gogh. Or Van Gogh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. They also uh, have been sticking themselves to paintings and galleries and stuff. And... Um, yeah, a lot of people have been the distraction, but I saw the same thing happening with um, Insulate Britain. Right. We did uh, similar protests in order to uh, address the severity of the coming uh, heating or utility cost of living crisis. And very large, in, very largely, they were lamented and they were uh, ignored by most of the populace, particularly uh the sentiment from mainstream media sources and tabloids and broadsheets were that these people were only there to cause chaos. To anyone who kind of said that now, I would definitely be like, take a look at how people are living now, and you'll see why they're doing what they're doing. So, so far as just olds methods, I'll be quite honest, I'm not opposed to them at all. I know they're massively disruptive, but Brexit has been much more disruptive to the logistics mm. of Britain's business and com- commerce and uh, freight infrastructure. So, if the idea is that you're blocking roads or stopping people from being able to move stuff, that shit happened with Brexit too. So that's not an argument.
2: I think the tricky bit is, and I, I, I'm not against what you're saying at all, mate, just to make that clear. But the tricky bit comes from, I feel that we have uh, kind of uh, protest, uh, you know, what's the word? <laughs> you know, like we've, 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 we've seen protests go on for so many years, that we've run out of belief in them. I think there they've, is become they've become yeah. performative. They've become,
1: and the reason for that, I think, is like I said, is because protests have become they've become controlled. Mm. We've had controlled demonstrations and peaceful demonstrations and structured present demonstrations, which have historically been at in more recent times at the most been a minor inconvenience. Mm. Or when we've seen the heavy handed response to protests, such as the vigil for Sarah Everard, we've not become incensed or indignant enough to the way these protests have been quelled.
0: Yeah.
2: I think fatigue was the word I was looking at for. I mm. think there's a sense of fatigue that people have with a lot of uh, issues that protests aren't going to resolve. Because unless I'm mistaken, you tell me if I'm wrong, there is no version of those protests that stops the problem they're trying to stop. Now, they, they're they welcome to come on this show and tell me I'm wrong. but I, And I'm not saying they shouldn't do it because of that, by the way. But that people, a lot of people, a lot of people I know, people I grew up with, would just turn around and go, well, these people doing this isn't going to change the the situation.
1: I get, I get that. and I, But I think that that is probably the dan- most dangerous mindset to allow to flourish in your mind is that protests or political dissent or social political upheaval won't make a difference because I truly believe that the powers that be through their various access to resources like mainstream media will create a depiction that these things only serve to disrupt or they're only performative or they don't do anything. And, you know, people say that petitions don't make a difference. I think at the very basic stage, just having a galvanized voice where we all collectively understand or respect the fact that, you know, how we're being treated or the people that are empowered to us or the civil servants that we elect to oversee our our governments, they're answerable to us. Mm -hmm. And I think for a very long time, particularly due to the relative comfort that we've had in this part of the world, we've not been placed in a position where we have to uh, reclaim our political potency or our civil uh, strength because there's not been a lot of shit that we've needed to rebel against for a very long time. And I think that might be one of the problems with stop oil now is that while it does seem to be a very inspirited movement that uh, does make a lot of drastic moves to be noticed, I would say that it might be too little too late particularly yeah. that the fact that a large amount of the ecological demonstrations and the uh, climatological protests we're seeing seem to have a very homogenous aesthetic of liberal, middle-class white people from the Western part of the world, which may uh, affect the ability to get sympathy for their actions. Um, Why do you think that is? Well, I think that uh, on a, I guess, practical level, I think political dissidence and ideological awareness are commodities that few people can afford. I think there are a lot of people that might want to join in BLM demonstrations, people that would want to join in stop oil demonstrations, people that do care about the state of our climate. But these people, unfortunately, are the people that are having their trip, their commute to work being disrupted by said protesters, because those people are in an industry where it's like, I would love to care about the world, but if I don't work, I'll die. In the same way that, like, it's all well and good when I see people who are cyclists and they do, I guess... Cycling and not having a car in London is seen as being climatologically responsible, but it's for me that only that's only happening on an individual level. If you are not uh, addressing the fact that like a lot of the new redesigns of London roads have involved a large amount of plastics and tar and oil being used to accommodate these ecologically conscious cyclists, it doesn't really make any sense. If you are somebody who observes a vegan lifestyle, you know there a lot of the machinations behind the scenes in Romania for you to get your polenta have not necessarily been ecologically sustainable, but are necessary in order for those people to survive, even for Latin American avocado growers and quinoa Mm. growers in Peru. Even though, you know, you might want to eat a more healthy lifestyle, unfortunately, because of the iniquity of distribution of wealth and resources in this planet, those people may have to engage in less environmentally sound practices because if they don't, they can't eat and they'll die. You know, there's places in this world where, You know, Fiji water is supposed to be like pure artisanal alkaline water. I don't know how easy it is for people in Fiji to get access to water in actual Fiji. Or the best way I can put it, Howard, is Mm. people keep talking about the Amazon, but they still keep going to Amazon.
2: We'll be back after this. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the show. And
1: so until we're able to address that as a phenomenon within our society, then it's going to make a lot of the work being done by just stop oil was very futile. And, uh, yeah, I just. think I kind that- of
2: feel sorry for them, though, right? I mean, you kind of you see it no. turn up in the news. <laughs> no. I, find, I, kind of, I can, uh, I can, I, I, I can have empathy for anyway. I don't have to kind of like you know spend my time feeling so. But I look at it, and like, obviously, the, 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 in their heads, and in their, their you know, they'll they, they, they have meetings, right, to plan what they're doing. These guys, you know, you kind of look at it and you think, God, you know, they're they really. I mean that that is a level of commitment that not mo- the, the average person is not going to do, right? Nobody. I mean,
1: the, but that's the problem. I don't think it's a problem that they require sympathy for because I think these people are very politically and ideologically astute, and they, obviously, they are obviously aware of the uh, severity of these crises, and that's why they act in the way they are. So I don't necessarily feel sorry for them. And, and as I said, I, at least ideologically, identify with a lot of their endeavours. I just think the problem is that uh, a large amount of class and race-based decolonization needs to happen within these interest groups in order for them to get larger support. Like, speaking about how these things affect you and only speaking about them now, when a third of Pakistan is underwater as a result of, like, climatological neglect, it's a bit late in the day, you could argue. In the same way that, like, you know, speaking about resources like uh, fair trade, I've always been cynical about the idea of fair trade as, like, a you know, an attempt for uh, environmental um, equality because most of all the most of all the cocoa in the world comes from either the Congo or the Ivory Coast or Ghana. Mm. And I've never seen a Ghanaian sitting on the board of directors at Cadbury's Schweppes. I've never seen one on the board of directors for like Nestle. So how fair is the trade really? I think until uh, climate protesters acknowledge the fact that without the resources made available to them by the developing world, they would have absolutely nothing and should conduct themselves in a fashion as opposed to, I guess, in many ways, Postulating to the rest of the world how they can change, then it's going to be very hard for them to uh, gather troops to their cause. But yeah. no, I, I definitely, I, I definitely support what they're doing. I just, I just feel like it might be a little too, too little, too late. And I also think it's like maybe the people you're directed to causing civil disruption. While it may get you to raise awareness, if you really want this to happen, we need to go to the source. I think the everyday man that's using a light commercial vehicle to get to work, or people getting on buses, or people on their commute day to work even though their vehicles might be responsible for emissions, those aren't necessarily the people you can blame. We all know it's, a, it's now a stated fact that over 70 to 80% of all of the world's carbon footprint or emissions comes from a very small percentage of multinational companies. Take the fight to these people directly. Instead of, you know, the everyday man is not go- whose, whose everyday struggle is largely survival, particularly in our current economic times, it's not really going to be enough. It's like, in yeah, the same I way thinking- that, like I say to people all the time, when I hear equally liberal people say, there's no race or black and white or Asian, there's just one race, it's the human race. I'm like, why the fuck are you telling me? I was born into the system too. Go and tell your fucking mum or your dad. The people that benefited from privilege from years and years, and I think it's the same with climatological privilege. It's like, I understand that other people need to kind of be engaged, but at the same time, I look at it the same way I look at the housing crisis. There's no point in middle-class people continuing to move to London and keeping this property market that nobody can afford buoyant when what you should be doing is galvanising your political power and petitioning, nay, fucking demanding that the people that are in control of things like housing redress this issue in an egalitarian way, not just the people that are moving to London to realise their financial potential, but working-class people that have lived there their whole lives and have not seen the replenishment of council homes while there's now people that vote Tory that would never be able to afford the home they're living in again, getting old and dying. But, you know, they'd be like, I work for what I work for. Why should anybody else get something? Like, these are the people they need to be addressing.
2: And, you know, because <laughs> you, you, one of the things I was thinking about was uh, the fact that uh, I, I I could have got caught in it today. There was a version of my day where I had to drive
1: i get that but you know how Um, i i feel like the same and i think i I would be lying if i said i wouldn't find the situation being in very frustrating but my message would be to everybody else out there if you think it's fucking bad now
2: well of course
1: you'll see what's going to happen soon
2: yeah yeah i'm I'm gonna a bit i was thinking it was from my perspective it would have been interesting to be stuck in that traffic because i would have then not been able to pick up my child in time uh, from nursery, which would have had all these different knock-on effects, some financial uh, potentially, and you know, just also emotional. And I'm like, well, that would have not been. Have you, to, so actually, I think we should get them on the show, Dane. I think we, if we can, I think we should get them on the show because I think that, that what they're doing—they're not a huge organisation, as far as I'm aware. Uh, I think yeah, they- down, down to the
1: reason we said I've, because, as much as other people would like to be involved in the discussions or addressing issues of a climatological nature. Most of us have to go to work because if we don't, we can't afford to eat. And that's the problem as well is that the capitalism definitely fuels and perpetuates climatological devastation, but by the same token, it also marginalizes people who are directly affected by it as well. But for me, it's like, you know, for me, all the climatological activists, you're a bit late, man. You should have been here when like the world health organization wasn't screening blood properly and giving one in four people in fucking South Africa HIV. You should have been there. Flint, Michigan hasn't had clean water since 2014. Where were you lot then? And It's not to say that you have to be there, but unless you decolonize these movements and ideologies and are inclusive to condemn and scrutinize any acts of uh, environmental iniquity like Somalian pirates, they're, we call them pirates, they're eco-warriors because because uh, the air, the landmass around Somalia was a disputed area Western powers took advantage of that fact and started dumping their toxic waste along their coastline. So all these fishermen had to resort to piracy in order to make a living. That should have been something that climate action and extinction rebellion were complaining and stop oil were talking about. You know, it's this this idea that we wait until it's on our doorstep before we address what is very clearly a global issue is the problem really. So,
2: Well, come back Listeners For uh, another episode Of Dane Baptiste Questions everything When hopefully We'll be able to get uh, The guys from Just Stop World To come on and talk to us Hey mate
1: Absolutely And if you're somebody Who's like Look at Dane and Howard Talking about the finance And the world And the climate While they've got iPhones And they're tweeting stuff And blah 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 Yes I have an iPhone Because it's a tool I fucking require I don't have seven And it's not my fault They make a new one Every fucking year So fuck you but thank you. Keep, yeah, keep, keep listening, guys. Keep listening. Keep listening. Yeah, yeah.
2: You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnaptiste and at the Howard Cohen. You can now support us on Patreon. Just search DBQE Podcast and unlock ad-free content and you can watch the full-length video of the podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram. At DBQE podcast, and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys, and remember, question everything. Insanity Group.
0: Hold up.